we are giving attention to this whole thought that not only do we want to meet with God, but God wants to meet with us. You ever met somebody and you were really, really excited and when you got there you could tell that they weren't that happy to have you around? I've had a couple of those moments. We won't go there right now. But the good news about God is God is desiring to meet with you. And here's what I've noticed. When people meet God, everything changes. Everything changes. And that's what our team are going to focus on over the next few weeks. We're going to look at individuals in Scripture where their life was radically changed when they encountered the divine. And today, we're going to look at a character that I think, especially in the Western world, everybody knows something about this person. Even those who wouldn't say they're Christ followers, people that don't go to church much, if at all, have heard of this person. One of the greatest leaders ever known on the planet. In fact, I have a friend who went to do uh, his MBA at university and he was shocked to find that in the first week they started focusing on this person. His name is Moses. Moses. I want to take you straight to this moment because we, we mostly think of Moses as the great leader, parting the Red Sea, throwing down his staff and snakes and all kinds of crazy things are happening. The, the plagues that, that God works as he declares and speaks his, his, uh, his word and, and ultimately leading people out of bondage and into freedom. But I want to take you back to where it all began. It began with a divine encounter. Exodus chapter 3, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of what? Fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but what about the bush? It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, is something about drawing near to God. When Moses saw that he'd gone over to look, have a look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals of the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is one of these moments in Scripture that I call the suddenlies. There's so many times in the Bible where life just seems to be going on. Sometimes for for people it was going down. And then suddenly God turned up. And something radically changed. This was a moment where a divine God, the divine God, came and met mortal man. And in that moment, there was a transaction. There was a shift that not only shifted his life, but to a people that are becoming more and more aware that we are called to live sent. There is a powerful, powerful lesson. Because this didn't just change his life. God changed him to be part of the change. Look at how God got his attention. He was in the far side of the desert. I love how the Bible actually just puts a few little words in there to really help us see the picture. He wasn't just in the desert. 
He was in the far side of the desert. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? You're just a long way away from where you really want to be. Moses was in the far side of the desert and all of a sudden he saw a strange sight. It was a bush that was on fire. Now, in the desert, the phenomenon of spontaneous combustion, though rare, does happen. And people that live in those arid places probably have seen it or have heard of it. Or how a bush just just caught on fire. And for Moses, that was quite a spectacle. But the phenomenon was not the fact that the bush caught on fire, but that it stayed on fire and the bush was not consumed. It's, It's actually a magnificent picture of what God wants to do in our life. See, this bush burned, but was not burned out. I have a, a friend went way, 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 way back in, you know, in the old days when I had black hair. Lynn and I pastored a church in Ipswich. And I had a friend who was a Presbyterian minister. And one day I asked him about the motto of the Presbyterian Church in Australia. It's also the motto of the Church of Scotland. Nick Taman Consumbator. I know. That's the only Latin I know. Nick Taman Consumbator. Do you know what it means? It's their motto. And you'll see it sometimes in, in, in some of the more historic Presbyterian churches, Church of Scotland. You'll see it. There's a little tiny bush and under it says, Nick Tarman Consumator. It's their motto. This is what it says. We will burn and burn, but we will not be burned out. Hey, let me tell you something. My Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant. When God sets you on fire, he doesn't want you to burn out. He wants you to burn brightly and continue. I love seeing people that have been serving Jesus for decades and still got a smile on their face, a glint in their eye, a passion in their soul. God does not call you to set you on fire so that you're ultimately burned out. He wants you to burn and burn and never be burned out. That's the, what the fire of God is meant to do in your life. I don't know how many times I people, oh, you know, I'm getting so used by the church. Well, I, I, I remember the moment you stood on an altar call and said, God, use me. And your point is what? We need to look after ourselves. We need to manage our time and we need to do what's sustainable. I get it. But God wants us to serve him with joy, with gladness, with faith and burn and burn. And let's be a part of a community of people that burn net time and consume all. Let's be that kind of community. That was the bush. Bush didn't ask to catch on fire, but it came. Boom. But it didn't burn out. But there was something else that was phenomenal about this burning bush. A voice came from it. Can you just imagine being Moses for a moment? He's already, you know, he's wondering what he's had for dinner. Because there's a bush that doesn't burn out. Now the bush is talking to him. And the bush calls him by name. Just like it happened in the Old Testament several times. Samuel, for example. Samuel, Samuel. Remember that moment? Then in the New Testament, there's a guy, let's face it, by any other definition, Saul was a terrorist, persecuting the church. And in that moment, he meets God, and the first thing God says to him is, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God calls people by name, and he called Moses by name. Hey, I've got some good news for you. You know, you often hear, that God knows the numbers of hairs on your head, which for some means that he does a daily audit because it's changing radically. That's okay. You know, we, we hear that, oh, he knows the hairs on your head. Let, let me tell you something. It's even more personal than that. 
It's not, oh, you're the guy with 4,643 hairs on your head. No, he knows your name is George or Michael or Joanne or Mary. He knows your name. How many are glad about that? He knows Moses, Moses. But he didn't just know his name. He introduced himself by his name. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't just stop for a minute. God is building a case that's getting ready. This man that he's going to use for something significant. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I'm the God who did miracles in them, for them, and through them. I provided for them. I set them free. I restored them. And I did incredible miracles. And let me tell you something. As we've already been singing in this church today, he's the same God then as he'll always be. He's the same as he was today, as he was then, and vice versa. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody get excited. He is a faithful God. He says, I change not. Moses, I did it for them and I'll do it for you. He never changes. You know, my my prayer life often, when I'm actually at a point of going, I'm just not sure how this is going to happen, I have to throw myself on the fact that I serve an unchanging God. One of my favorite verses comes from 1 Thessalonians 5. It says this, faithful is he, faithful, faithful, faithful is he who called you who will also do it. And I remind him of that often. Say, God, God, I remember, I remember when I was leading this ministry for teenagers. And we were filling auditoriums. I have no idea how we paid for it. Not sure if we still have. But, no, seriously. The, the, the budgets that we were running. And let me tell you, you're working with teenagers, they don't give you anything. Rat bags. God loves them. In that era, 320,000 kids came to Jesus. I have no idea how he supplied other than the fact that he's Jehovah Jireh. And there are times that when, and we in this church, as we continue to push boundaries, say, God, you've done it before, you'll do it again. God, God, we we need to see healings. I've seen you do phenomenal things in phenomenal places and crazy moments on on mission trips and, and in eras gone by. God, if you did it then, you can do it now. God, God, you've kept me. You know, as a 25-year-old, Lynn and I, we were about second year in our marriage. We sat in the surgeon's office and he looked at me. He said, by the time you are 30, you're going to be on your knees begging me to operate on your back. I'd had a high-speed water ski fall. Guess what? I still have that injury in my body. And guess what? No surgeon's knife's been near my back. I'm healthy. I'm happy. God, God has kept me. He's the God who keeps his people. And I remind him sometimes, God, you've got me through that 40 years now. You've got me through that and you're going to get me through other stuff. You're the same God. You're faithful. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Come on, somebody needs to hear me say today, if he's done it before, he will do it again. Hmm. We've had seasons of great soul winning in our church. I prophesy we've entered it again. If he's done it before, he will do it again. All kinds of things that God's done. A little later, in this conversation that he's having with Moses, he he actually goes beyond, listen, I'm a faithful God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I want to take you down a journey of understanding. I'm not just that. I'm actually more than that. See, I'm the father 
of Brendan and Ryan. But I actually have a name. That's kind of what I am, but let me tell you who I am. I want to go on record as saying I am Wayne Alexander Alcorn. That's who I am. And God's taking him on an understanding that it's not just what I am, it's, it's, it's who I am. So Moses says, well, you know my name, what's yours? <laughs> I love this. You want to know my name? I am. I am what? I am. In fact, you follow through scripture the times those words I am come and things happen. Just at the sound of his name. Even when, when they approached Jesus in the garden, they said, I'm looking for a man called Jesus. Who is it? He said, I am. Boom, they fall down. There's something happens. We're not just talking about some cute old guy in the sky. We're talking about the I am, the all-sufficient one, the self-originated, self-sufficient one, the God who needs nobody and nothing. Life is in himself. Theologians call it a seity. A seity. God needs nobody. God needs nothing. He is. Who are you? I am. I am. This is amazing. I am, I am, I am your all-sufficient, I am, I am everything you need because I am in myself, self-contained, I am everything. I am God, creator, healer, saviour, provider, baptizer. I am, I am, I am. And some of you today need to meet with an I am. Not just a cute God that somehow listens to the little prayers we pray with our kids at the end of the night. He is a powerful God. He's the powerful God who dwells in unapproachable light. He's the God who answers by fire. And he wants us to meet with him. And that voice not only recognizes Moses' name and introduces himself by name, there's something else that happened, and this is where we're going to land it today. That voice brought something that Moses desperately needed. In fact, Moses thought it had long passed him by. You ready for it? Purpose. He thought purpose had long passed him by. He'd been 40 years in a desert. I don't know how many times Moses would have asked himself, has God forgotten me? Is my purpose for life gone? I'm 80 now, am I too old? Look at verse 7. God didn't forget him and God hasn't forgotten you. Look at verse 7. I've underlined a few verses, a few words, sorry, in this verse. The Lord said, here's the first word I've underlined, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Here's the second word. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned. I've seen, I've heard, I'm concerned any good preacher in this room could preach a series on that right there. Have a God who sees. Have a God who hears. And somebody in this room, somebody online needs to hear me say, God cares. He cares. And he has the same concerns today for people as he had back then. He has concerns for people that are suffering in this moment of family breakdown. And I had a conversation just this week with a man who didn't see the devastation of a separation coming his way. And he's hanging on by a thread, didn't see it coming. 
heartbroken. And, and that story is repeated over and over and over and over and over, thousands and thousands of times in our community. God sees it and he cares that people are hurting. He cares about health challenges, physical and mental. Some people are at breaking point. He cares about people that are suffering because of addiction. And, you know, I, I, I saw a man the other day who, who was bound by that fiendish drug called ice. And, you know, it's really easy. Oh, well, they made some bad choices. Yeah, they did. Somehow or other, they said yes to something that would ultimately become their master. And what are we going to do? Sit and judge their decision or see what God says in Scripture? He says, I care for that person. Go and set them free. Do, do, what, do what even, you know, well, that's what God does. Let me tell you something. Even at the resurrection of, of Lazarus, you know what he said? Lazarus come forth and he starts coming forth all wrapped up in toilet paper and then all of a sudden, you know what, you know what, what, what Jesus says to his disciples? You go and set him free. You go and take the grave clothes off. You go and take the things that have him bound off. That's what God is saying to his church right now. We can raise our eyebrows at things we see in the news. How We can talk about this problem and that problem. Or we can be an answer in Jesus' name. God sees, he hears, and he's concerned about people that are bound up. Some people are stuck in disappointed, hurt, and haunted by their past. And to be honest, their life is hopeless. And our mission is to bring hope to the hopeless. What God was saying in that moment to Moses thousands of years ago, he's saying to us today, he says, I love hurting people. I see people that are stuck. Go and be the answer to their problems in my name. See, the people back in that season needed a deliverer. And Moses was the one he chose. You've heard me say many, many times, too many of us are waiting for a move of God and God is waiting for a move of us. Oh, but I've got problems. Oh, whoa, just for a minute. Let's, let's just have a chat about Moses. You think you've got problems? Moses had problems. You know, there's psychologists actually have a syndrome called the Moses syndrome. I've got issues, but there's not a Wayne syndrome. He, he, he had major, and, and, and yet, this is what, despite all the stuff that he had, and we'll talk about it just in a moment. Verse 10, God says, so go now. Go. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that recently? G-O, go. He said, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses, live sent. Moses, I'm going to change you. So you can change others in my name. I can only imagine what's happening in Moses' heart right now. Just for a minute. Just, just think about this. Just, again, I say to you regularly, do this. Read the Bible with the video playing. See this. Here's a guy who's out in the desert who's about to be called to be a leader. And he's looking after sheep. Newsflash, they weren't even his sheep. His father in laws. And God's saying, You're amazing. I'm going to change you so you can change them. And you can just imagine Moses saying, This has got to be some kind of setup. Where's the camera? Like, no, no you, you've, you, you've got the wrong guy. 
I, I, God, God, I, I know what you're talking about, that I can actually help the Israelites, but I tried this once and I was and I am a dismal failure. For old Moses, his, his whole life had been a roller coaster. From rags to riches to rags to leadership. Anybody ever? No, I'm not going to ask that question. Sometimes I feel like life's a bit of a roller coaster. It was for Moses. He was born into a slave's house, raised by an Egyptian princess, working in the desert for 40 years. And, and for much of his life, he felt like, like an absolute misfit. He's got so many things that, you know, professionals would need to work with. He was abandoned as a child, put into the world's smallest boat, had a very strange relationship with his own mother, had to call a nurse mum. She's, she's nursing him. Added to that, he's, he's raised in a culture that, that's so different to the, just the whole world of his ancestors and his family. He didn't feel like he fitted in. Add to that the fact that there was shame and regret of his past. Forty years earlier, he killed a man. Was it murder? Perhaps lawyers would call it manslaughter. He's actually in his own flesh, in his own strength, trying to actually help his own people. He involves himself in something where an Egyptian's being harsh on an Israelite. He goes and he, he intervenes, he beats him, and the man dies. Now Pharaoh hears about it, he's on the run. This is a crazy story. All of this results in him. You read, you read his story, have a good look at it. He's carrying insecurity. He's carrying a very poor self-image. He's got massive issues with trust, self-doubt, confidence. And God says to him, I'm going to make you a leader. Regularly when I walk through the airports around our country and beyond, there's, there's, there's all kinds of bookstores and most of the bookstores are filled with books about leadership. And I love studying on leadership. But I, I, I can't remember seeing a book that actually celebrates a man like Moses. He's not your pin-up boy for the perfect leader. He's so flawed and so broken. Add to that, the Bible says he's of slow speech. If you haven't amplified, you'll find he's a Queenslander. And, and, and in his heart, he's come to this conclusion, I am disqualified. But how many are glad today that only God is the one who decides who's disqualified? And certainly who's disqualified permanently. Because that voice in the fire changed everything. You know, this week I just had a moment of reflection because... On Tuesday, we, we crossed that milestone of August 1. That's 23 years to the day that Lynn and I became the pastors of this church. Historic church, a church that God is blessing and God has great plans for. What I'm doing now is the fulfillment of something that God put in my heart as a 20-year-old. I, I, I was a struggling preacher's kid. All of my years at, at university, I... I I didn't follow Jesus. In fact, most of my high school, I didn't. I struggled. I was cynical. I was wrestling with stuff. But in a moment, there was a moment, I, I could take you right there to 16 Barrett Street, East, East Ipswich, in my own bedroom, on my own, a 
sat home on an evening. There was this moment when all of a sudden God came in and responded to a heart of somebody that was literally desperate to meet with God. And God in that moment filled me with the Holy Ghost. Thank God he gave me a a new prayer language. That was radical, but there was so much more. He baptized me in the Holy Ghost and fire. And in that moment, as the fire came, the voice of the Lord came. And there was a call. 45 years later, I'm still living out the fullness of the call that came from the voice in that fire and I look back and I even think of some men and some women that I started out in ministry with as an early 20s year old doing my best struggling with all my stuff and I think of some of the people that that I started with they were so much more talented they were musical they had timing they had deep voices They, they were they were amazing So much better educated, so better connected. Somehow God says, I'll have you, but you're not going to do this in your own strength. You're not going to do this in your own strength. I know what my strength is capable of, and it's not much. I'm going to tell you, everything that's happened hasn't been by might or by power, it's by the Spirit of God. And I desperately need that constant voice. I constantly need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody with me today? That, that fire and the voice in the fire changed Moses and it changed me and it wants to change you as well. God takes this broken human being and he takes him on a path to lead millions, millions out of slavery. Change history. Change history. Isn't that amazing? Broken human. What, what was the difference? It was a divine encounter. A divine encounter that came with a promise, and here is what it was. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Can, can we take the presence of God beyond buzz moments in worship services? Oh, I love the presence of God. Some of us, there there were moments in worship today, it's like, whoa! But you can know that, whoa, at your workplace tomorrow, in the factory, at the office, in the school, in your suburbs. You can know it because that moment, that promise is not just for there. That encounter is not just for there. We take something from that. We take the confidence. He said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. The same God that's in the fire is the same God that will be with you at work tomorrow. With you in awkward conversations. With you. And that confidence shifted everything. That promise radically changed. Look at what happened. His identity was changed. God wasn't talking to him about his past. He was talking to him about his future. I love the promise that Scripture says that God takes our our past and he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. Some of us are still apologizing for things to God that he forgot about a long time ago. He chooses to forget. He chooses to put it and forget it. Throw it as far as the east is from the west, he said. Stop talking about your past and get on with your future with the promise of his presence. He had, oh, I love this. He had a holy boldness. God says, I'm going to send you to the man who is the most powerful in the known world right now, Pharaoh. And that would have been intimidating for a bloke who was caring for sheep in the far side of the desert. 
I like that the King James calls it the backside of the desert. What an image. He's out there. Moses rocks up to Pharaoh and says, God said, set my people free. Is, 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 is there something wrong with this picture? This broken, failed man that talks slow, that, that was just struggling with so many issues in his life. He's, he's going to rock up to the king of Egypt, but for him it wasn't a problem because he'd already stood before the king of kings. The king of Egypt was not a problem. Hey, let me tell you something. The king of your workplace, the king of your problem is, is no issue because you've been in the presence of the king of kings and he transcends everything, everything, everything. And that changed Moses' concept. And beyond that, he had a clear purpose. He'd been delivered to be a deliverer. If you study Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It becomes obvious that all of Moses' faults didn't go away. He was still a flawed human. Beats on a rock, does his temper, smashes the Ten Commandments. Whoa, it's a bit scary. He still had issues. (laughs) See, some of us think that God is looking for perfection before he can use us. His grace is sufficient. The promise of his presence surpasses your inadequacies. And his fire will continue to burn in you and change you. If God did that in Moses, he can do it in you. As the team, come and join me today. I want your heart to get ready. Because one encounter can change everything. I look at Moses and I think, God, I'm like him. did some dumb things as a young person. I was, I, was, I was in the far side of the desert. But God met with me. And he wants to meet with you. But can, can I go a little deeper with this? The fire of God isn't just to set us free to go and work for others. He wants to first do a deep work in our own life. Some of us are desperate for a healing in your body. The same God that was the voice in that fire is the same God that heals today. Lynn and I were, were in Israel a few years ago and we stood beside some of those places where Jesus did some of those most radical miracles and my silent prayer was often, Jesus, you did it then. And if you're the same yesterday, today and forever, you can do it in Brisbane in the 21st century. And he wants to, in fact, the word of the Lord has been sitting on my heart all day is the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Hey, let me tell you the power. If you're sick today, God wants to heal you. Would somebody say amen? Some, and and you know, let me tell you one of the greatest things that you need to be set free of. Fear. Moses had a fear that his past would catch up. Moses had a fear of people. I believe that God wants to set us free, just like Paul said to Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound mind. God wants to take the fear of man off us. God wants to take the fear of... Some of us have got phobias you've been wrestling with for too long. You know, I'm hearing stories of miracles that are happening in our service just in moments like this, as people receive the word of the Lord. It comes and sets us free. Addictions. Those things that seem so good at the start that control us. As this ministry knows, God has given me in this season a a fresh responsibility to minister to men. 
It's amazing how many times I raised at a men's event the issue of pornography. And heads drop. It's a deal. It's a big deal. It's a problem. It can erode relationships. It can erode our confidence of just serving God. Let me tell you, God wants to break that thing. It's a journey and we need to keep in touch and accountable to people. But the first thing happens is the fire of God comes. Some of us have got other addictions that's... It's, whatever's ruling in your life that's a, that tries to set itself in the place of Jesus needs to go. And in its place, we need to see his kingdom come. When we were in the States a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I just thought on it flying home. You know, it's amazing who God uses. Think of three friends. One was a chronic drug addict that right now, today, is preaching in Europe and his television ministry is going around the world. Another guy, one of the greatest churches in the USA, raised in an alcoholic's home with all the drama that flows with that. Another guy, an absolute chronic introvert, went on a mission trip, minding their own business, to Manila. All the fillows? Woohoo! Today, that place where he visited is now a church that he planted. And today, there's probably in excess of 120,000 people in worship today. From there, there's 550 churches being planted around the world in some of the most difficult places on the planet. God wants to use us all, regardless of personality, background, flaws, failures, and everything else. He just wants us to accept his invitation to come to that place and engage with his fire. Happen in the book of Acts? It can happen in the 21st century. You think of the people in that room in the day of Pentecost. They were flawed, broken, afraid, inadequate. But they were desperate. And they waited for the promise.